Hello, everybody, and welcome to In-Depth, presented by the San Antonio Express News. My name is Luis Vasquez, and I'll be your host as we bring in journalists to give us an inside perspective into the stories they bring to the Express News each week. Today, I'm joined by Marina Starley-Freiker and Brian Chasnoff to talk about their report on last week's devastating freeze in Texas. Welcome to the show. Marina, Brian, how are you doing today? Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. All right. I feel like we have a lot to cover. You guys did an excellent job chronicling what happened last week. So, uh, Marina, if you want to go first, and then Brian, just give us a sense of like where everything started. Yeah. So, I think, and maybe I'll kind of talk about at least like this is just my own personal experience with it. But of course, we woke up Monday morning, there was all the snow. I know I was really excited for the snow and I thought it was so pretty. And then I started having rolling blackouts. <laughs> I was trying to file a story and my, like all of my electronics were dying. The amount of time that my power was on kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, and then it turned out a, like thousands of other people across the city were dealing with that too. So um, at that time, I mean, we didn't know how much of a crisis this was going to be, but I think that was kind of that tipping point was like, as it was snowing Sunday, then early Monday morning, we'd find out later that that's when the the grid, I guess, was on the brink of collapsing to where we could have had this catastrophe that could have left us in the dark for months. Yeah, so kind of had the same situation. I, uh, I woke up Monday morning and uh, was trying to work that day as well. There was a, a like a Zoom press conference and a podcast I was trying to do and, and the power kept going out. Uh, and at that, at that point, it felt more like a nuisance than anything else. I don't think, I don't think I realized what a serious issue, what a serious crisis, what had really already begun because through our reporting later, we learned that, uh, you know, Monday morning, early Monday morning was really when, when things, uh, got, you know, the, the, the grid was on the verge of collapse and, uh, CPS energy, for example, had already cut power to, to some critical infrastructure in San Antonio under orders from ERCOT to, to prevent just a, a complete collapse of, of the grid. Um, and, and so that, that didn't really dawn on me personally until probably the end of the day when the power went out completely in my house and I spent uh, a night with my family in, uh, you know, 40 degrees inside the house. It was, and then, and then from there, we just kind of, <laughs> like we were saying earlier, just running on adrenaline, you know, reporting the, the story as it was unfolding and as it was kind of happening to us at the same time. In, in the story, you mentioned how everything you guys just described about yourselves, how you weren't expecting it. The mayor wasn't expecting it. Nobody was expecting it. You kind of outlined that that was the case for, for everyone, even people who should have known or were in charge. Right. Yeah. So as we, as we wrote in the story um, on Sunday, uh, even, even that late in the, the game, city leaders were really only trying to, to deal with icy roadways and make sure there were no, you know, fatal vehicle accidents. They had no, no advance warning that, that this was going to happen. Um, the way the mayor put it to me was that ERCOT went from threat level one to three in the dead of night. And he, he found out about it at 3 a.m. when all his 
various uh, devices like s- smoke detectors and surge protectors, you know, the alarms went off and his scaring his dog, Mulberry, that climbed on top of his head at 3 a.m. And, and he <laughs> that's when he realized that something was awry. One of the most jarring parts of the article it's uh, it's it's a line that starts off. It's still not known how many Texans died in the disaster, and you you go on to outline how an 11 year old boy died in an unheated mobile home, a 78 year old man in Bear County found dead outside of his home after he fell in the freezing weather on his way to dialysis. That that was the most jarring part of it. Can can you guys just elaborate on that? Yeah, um, and unfortunately, we don't know how many folks have have died so far. I mean, I've seen dozens. Um, I think it's a little too early to know. Cause I mean, of course there are the folks who have hypothermia. Um, I think between Monday and Wednesday, there were about 700 cases of carbon monoxide poisoning, um, where folks ended up going to the hospital because of that. Um, and then you have other things like folks not being able to access dialysis appointments. Um, I'm sure there are other kind of aspects of medical care that people weren't able to get because of this. Um, I'm sure there are people who died on the icy roads. So it's one of those things to where we won't know the toll of this crisis, I would imagine, at least for a few more weeks. Um, and, and well, and with all disasters, I mean, generally, the numbers that we get of the folks who are who have passed away are, are a severe underestimate of the death toll um, in actuality. Uh, you guys spoke to a professor of energy resources at UT Austin um, they, that they were kind of like sounding the alarm kind of before everything kind of went, went down. Yeah. Michael told me that he, even on that Friday before everything happened, um, just as he was talking to folks on the phone was telling them, Hey, you should probably top off your gas. You should get some food, get some extra batteries. Cause we may have some serious outages. Um, but at least I don't remember seeing anything like that from our government officials here in San Antonio. I remember being told, of course, stay off the roads. That can be dangerous. But it's not like before a hurricane where folks say, okay, make, make sure you have seven days or two weeks of, of water and food and all this sort of stuff. So folks just didn't have that warning to be able to prepare sufficiently. Right. And I even spoke to the Texas State climatologist, and he wasn't expecting this. He, he saw what was coming as, as more as not necessary. He wasn't expecting it to be a disaster. He wasn't even expecting it to, to break too many records. I mean, he, he, he saw the temperatures coming, coming and he realized, you know, looking back in history that, you know, Texas has seen colder temperatures than that in the past. And so there was no, there was really uh, not widespread acknowledgement or realization that this, this could, could be a, a catastrophe except for, you know, the, the some folks who, who did see it coming. Another really big um, or something that stood out to me was the um, that CPS cut the power off to some control stations for or some SAWS uh, control stations. And that it, it was I'll say it was an oversight somewhere was the quote that you used in there. What happened there when we when we lost yeah. water? So. On Monday, Monday morning, um, 
again, before sunrise, I, I believe. Uh, so, uh, uh, CPS Energy was was drastically cutting cutting power uh, to try to you know under orders from ERCOT to to save the grid. And one one thing that they they cut power to was the uh, major SAWS pump station near the University of Texas at San Antonio. Uh, apparently, they did that without conferring with SAWS first, and uh, you know th- this had a, a ripple effect. Because these pump stations are interconnected, and if you cut power to one of them, it's going to affect other pump stations, uh, especially ones that are at higher elevation. And so that that kind of, you know, they lost they lost uh, power to pump stations along the Interstate 10 corridor going north. And as uh, the chief operating officer at SAWS told me, he, you know, by by 3 a.m. the next day, Tuesday morning, he thought they were they, they were losing the war is what he put it. And he called the Robert Puente, the CEO of SAWS to tell him, Hey, uh, we might have a dry city tomorrow morning. Um, he didn't know how he was going to, how he was going to keep the water flowing through the city. Um, so things got, things got pretty, pretty hairy, pretty quickly. Towards the end of the article, you guys have a, a form that people can fill out to help you guys investigate the infrastructure disaster. Can you tell me more about that and what kind of information you're looking to get? Yeah. So I think we just, we just want to hear from folks in the community about what we should be looking into. Um, I am not an electrical uh, utility expert or a water system expert or someone who works in healthcare who knows how this affected critical infrastructure. So that's where we need the community to tell us what we should be looking into and help us understand um, which questions we should be asking of officials to really get to the bottom of how we can prevent this from happening in the future. So if folks are able to fill that out, um, whether they have a story to share about a loved one in a nursing home who went without heat, or if they've worked for SAWS or CPS and they have information that could help us understand this, um, we just want to hear from kind of anyone who might be able to help us continue to look into this in the future. Also, one last thing I just wanted to point out, I did see your Twitter, uh, Marina, where you were kind of shouting out Texas news organizations that like in for reporters in smaller cities and rural communities. Can you just talk a little bit about that? That really, I really like that. Yeah, I was just thinking, um, because I was actually working at the Victoria Advocate when Hurricane Harvey struck. um, And I think the New York Times sent us a bunch of barbecue back then. I mean, we had all sorts of care packages from other news outlets. And I know like right now, um, or at least when we're in the middle of it, really like folks just needed running water and power. So a care package wasn't really going to do it. Um, But I just had noticed that a lot of bigger outlets across the state were getting a lot of attention, um, but just wanted to acknowledge that there are folks working at smaller papers with even fewer resources who are dealing with all of the same issues that we are. um, And they should, they should get some attention too. Well, I think uh, this is a good place to leave it. I just want to thank you guys again. Like I said, you guys did an excellent job just chronicling everything and talking to people and getting the information. I know you guys were experiencing it, uh, experiencing it just like the rest of us. So, yeah, I think you guys did a great job. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.